Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, senior editor Jeff Benson joins us to talk about his year in review. That's today and tomorrow on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, December 30th, 2021. I don't want to waste any time, and I want to get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 11.50 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $47,560, pretty much even from yesterday. Ethereum is at $3,760, down a half a percent. Binance Coin is 522, down half a percent. Tether's in the number four spot, and Solana's number five at 175, up a half a percent. Rounding off the top 10, we have Cardano, USDC, XRP, Luna, and Polkadot. Total market cap, we're at 2.22 trillion, a BTC dominance of 40.2, and an F dominance of 20%. And now, without further ado, we're going to get into our conversation with senior editor Jeff Benson, and we're going to talk about his year in review. Jeff Benson, Senior Editor of Decrypt. How you doing? And welcome to the Year in Review. Hey, Matthew. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So as you know, and as the listeners know, we've been doing Year in Reviews with different writers and editors of Decrypt. And your big story of the year is Ethereum. And I'm surprised nobody else got that because this is a yeah. huge story. And the developments and the ebbs and flows, the yings and yangs of what's been happening with Ethereum this year has been phenomenal, very interesting. But I want to start back at January 1st. Can you just first kind of set this up to us? What was Ethereum doing before this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, just to just to real, real quickly before before we start, there's a lot of major stories this year. So it's just like kind of take your pick. There's Solana, there's NFTs, there's Shiba Inu, there's Dogecoin. Yeah, but if you look back and say, hey, how did we start this year? People may forget, but around this time of year, there was a big price surge. And Ethereum around January 1st was 700 to $750. Now that wasn't, that wasn't a record at that time, but it was, it was a major price surge. Bitcoin was doing really well. Uh, and now, you know, Ethereum's up to the $4,000 range. So it's been a big, big price increase. Um, but yeah, it all, it all started kind of around Christmas last time where every day is like, what's the price going to be? What's the price going to be? That's super interesting because if we went down to $700 now, I think most of the crypto industry would think where it's over, will cry. But one year ago, basically yeah. today, it, like $700 was a monster jump in price. And we were everybody was excited because we were looking at bull. The Ethereum price throughout the year has almost been steadily up. Right now, you said $4,000, which is probably around 20% down from its all-time higher. So, but $4,000 is still quite a bit. But Another thing that comes with high Ethereum prices and the fluctuation of Ethereum prices is its fees, which is, have been a bane of the Ethereum community's existence. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, back to the beginning of the year, fees were under $10, which may be proportional to the price. 
that they were at then. But um, yeah, the the big price surge made those fees increase as demand did, and you know now everybody can expect double digit transaction costs. So in a way, Ethereum is kind of a victim of its of its success. And uh, you know if you if you think about the the Yogi Berra saying nobody goes there anymore, it's too crowded. That's kind of that he's kind it's kind of out of Ethereum right there, where it's so popular that people are like, yeah, we need another place to hang out, and that's why you've seen other. Uh, smart contract platforms like Solana, Avalanche, Terra really uh, pick up in speed. Uh, Algorand and Cardano are, are, are there too, trying to trying to make waves. And and you've also seen a big demand for something like Polygon for, for people to kind of uh, get around some of those higher fees. I actually read a quote from you on the show last week. Ethereum is a victim of its own success. And I think that's just a very elegant way to, to say that because Ethereum is the top dog of smart contracts, is the top dog of DeFi, is the top dog of NFTs. And yeah, there's competition, but it not only created the market, it is just propelling it forward with all the developers, with all of the innovations. Every It seems every week something new is coming out. What are these other competitors doing to compete with Ethereum? Yes, fine. Solana is a smart contract platform, but uh, what are they doing to actually compete with, I I want to say, the top dog? So if if you're gonna if you're gonna have smart contracts, if you're gonna have a platform that allows for that, you need some place for people to go. So you know you can't just build Disneyland and not put any rides in it. So what Solana's been able to do is they've been able to create not them, but they've been able to create an ecosystem uh, that has decentralized exchanges that has all the things, the accoutrement that you would, that you would expect from something like Ethereum. Now it's not necessarily as diverse. It's not necessarily, uh, there's not necessarily as many of everything, but you can kind of go there and expect to find the same sort of things that you would find on Ethereum. And that's why Solana has had success. Now, something like Cardano, which they've been a little bit slower to roll out. So even though smart contracts are there, there's not really as much to do with it. So you beyond the tools, you need to have kind of built something. Um, so it's it, Solana is kind of ready and it can expand outward uh, from there. And something with that expansion and being ready is, you know, lower fees. But uh, with those lower fees, say on Solana and some of these other platforms, uh, we are seeing that Ethereum understands that gas fees is an issue. And they've been upgrading uh, Ethereum throughout the year. And this year has been a year of Ethereum upgrades, uh, preparing Ethereum for Ethereum 2.0. Can you tell us about the upgrades and maybe just bridge that into Ethereum 2.0, please? Yeah. I mean, when you think about Ethereum developers, they're probably, they're the slow and steady types. They're prioritizing security. They, They have kind of an inbuilt advantage because they've been around for over half a decade. So, you know, Ethereum is just taking its time, making upgrades, keeping everything secure. So starting in April, we had the Berlin uh, upgrade uh, that had some kind of mild gas cost reductions, um, nothing really that was going to change uh, the overall dynamic, made some tweaks to kind of limit processing time, stop attacks, and then it reduced the risk of broken spar contracts. So it was kind of a, an ordinary sort of upgrade. Now in London, you had, or sorry, in August, you had the, uh, the London hard fork, which was a big, big upgrade. And kind of the, the pinnacle of that was EIP 1559, uh, which changed totally how 
how gas fees uh, were were treated. So before, uh, if you were a miner on the network, you could expect to um, to be kind of paid to be paid kind of a handsome fee from the people whose transactions you were processing. What uh, what EIP fifteen fifty nine did was it instituted a base fee for every transaction. And then that base fee went to the network, which subsequently burned it. So it created a deflationary asset. Uh, and really since then, uh, I think about $5 billion worth of ETH has been burned, uh, over 1.2 million ETH, uh, which is a lot. And, and EIP 1559 did other things too. I mean, one of, one of the things that it did was kind of... Um, uh, kind of increased the the block size or increased actually the amount of gas that you could put into a block. So that was meant to kind of ease some of the congestion. Now, there was such strong demand that a lot of times blocks are still being produced that go past that. And then the fees kind of revert back to the auction style that they used to be anyway. So it's not helping with everything, but it is helping a, helping a little bit. Uh, and then October, we had Altair. That was a kind of a minor upgrade. Uh, but, you know, maybe major in terms of the future of the network. Uh, it, it was a beacon chain upgrade. So that started moving um, kind of proof of stake uh, from the rehearsal st uh, stage to the dress rehearsal stage. You know, it instituted full slashing penalties, for instance, on the proof of stake network. So, uh, yeah, Altair was really about uh, about getting, getting things ready for the upcoming uh, uh, move to proof of stake. Um, and then Arrow Glacier uh, in December, just a few weeks ago, that was a recognition that ah, the move to proof of stake isn't quite there yet. Um, so it pushed back the difficulty bomb. The difficulty bomb is, is this sort of incentive that was hardwired into the original Ethereum code so that it would move from proof of work to proof of stake. So because we're not quite ready for it yet, the developers had to go in there and essentially um, essentially kind of reset that timer for a few months down the road. So Ethereum 2.0 is going to be a huge upgrade to Ethereum. And we're going to go into what it's going to do in a little bit. But one thing Ethereum 2.0 is going to be is going to be proof of stake. And if a, some, of the, some of the listeners has been listening to me since day one, and they know when uh, Ethereum was going to start its staking, I said, there's no way people are going to stake their Ethereum. As you said earlier, the Bitcoin price was rate rising at the end of 2020. And I was like, who in the middle of a bull run when Ethereum can go past its previous all-time high is going to lock up their Ethereum for two years in the middle of a bull run? I was so wrong. Can you please tell us about what happened with the staking and we're moving us into Ethereum 2.0? Yeah. Yeah, a ton of a ton of people did. A ton of people began staking. So uh, as of uh, the last time I checked, there was fifty nine thousand wallets uh, had put in a total of eight point seven six million ETH into it, and that's thirty five billion dollars worth of Ethereum. Um, that that's quite a bit, and it, I think it's it's made easier by uh, some exchanges such as Coinbase, for instance, uh, have essentially said, "Hey, if you uh, lock up your ETH with us." Um, we'll still give you, we'll, we'll, we'll give you those rewards, even if you don't have kind of the minimum to stake, uh, to stake the kind of traditional way. Um, so Coinbase will kind of pool people's, uh, people's ETH so that they can, so that they can all stake collectively and still earn rewards. 
Um, and I think that incentivized people. Now, the downside is that some people's youth has been locked up for over a year now uh, and you, you, you can't move it. Um, so and if you're doing it with Coinbase, if you're doing it with another exchange, you still can't move it. Um, so I think at some point, people are going to get itchy. Um, they're going to start itching to move that ETH. But at the same time, you know, remember the price has gone up over what, 500, 600% uh, in the course of a year. So uh, if you're looking at it as a long-term investment, uh, you're fine just leaving it there. And, and I guess my kind of skepticism with this is locking your ETH up for, I just said ETH, <clears throat> for two years. And this is what my whole skepticism was with it. It's like, okay, it was 700 bucks. And what if we get new all-time highs? I was thinking, oh, $1,500, $2,000 Ethereum. We had $4,800 Ethereum you know, pushing 4,900. Like if I had my Ethereum locked up, I'd be sitting there just like sweating bullets going like, I, I can't do anything. I can't get it out. What's going on? I want to sell it. I can, I, I'm rich. But the Ethereum staking only gives you four to 7% uh, rewards back off of it. So it's interesting to see the calculations more. A lot of people are, you know, staking their ETH because they want to support Ethereum 2.0 coming out. But why would they want to support your Ethereum 2.0? What is Ethereum 2.0? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Okay, first off, before we get to Ethereum 2.0, you're getting more than the more than the 4.5 or 5% or whatever. You're also getting, you know, the, you're also getting just the increase in value. Right. So it just, you know, and, and there's lots of folks that say that Ethereum could still go, go up in price after ETH 2.0 really hits because it's going to make the network more scalable. It's going to uh, ease congestion. It should bring down transaction costs to, to something that is more affordable for, for everyday folks. Um, so if you want to know, yeah, what Ethereum 2.0, it, it's that. It's just a better, faster uh, network that just works a little bit more as intended. Is it going to be exactly like Solana? Probably not, because it's, it, according to Ethereum developers, they've really prioritized security. And so you're not going to see transaction fees fall to the rate where people can start are going to start feeling comfortable spamming other people's accounts uh, and essentially bringing the network down with a with sort of a, a denial of service sort of attack, um, it's not going to be that low, uh, from my understanding. But it should be a network where people are like, oh, I want to make a transaction on 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 an exchange, or uh, I want to bid on an NFT without having to worry about um, you know spending a hundred dollars just to place a bid. I, I think it's going to be a more usable network. I just want to just like unpack that just a little bit more because when you think of cheaper transaction fees or cheaper gas, I mean it almost kind of like 
intuitively says, oh, obviously that's better, but there is definitely flaws when you have something so cheap and Ethereum's gas prices kind of protect it in, in a certain way from like the, I guess the possible damage you can do on Solana or some of the attacks you can do on Solana or some of the just like, I don't know, even crappy projects you can do there. You might just explain that a little bit to the listeners. Yeah, I mean, for, for sure. Um, so email is is pretty free to send. And so people will send a lot of spam. Um, but you don't necessarily want to spam as want spam in your inbox as a user uh, of a network. And so to do that, you institute uh, a, a fee. Um, in this case, gas fees essentially cover the energy expenditure of the network to run. So, but if it's, if that cost is too low, then it becomes sort of, I don't know, a cesspit of bad stuff. You know, that's a really good analogy. You know, when you're talking about like the inbox of your email, email is pretty much free to use. Uh, you just, you know, send emails and spam to everybody else and it loads up your junk mail. And the same thing with, with Solana. I mean, we have a lot of junk NFTs. You can start a project, launch, you know, 20,000 NFTs for not that much money. And next, you know, I have this whole like, you know, maybe rug pull, crap art or whatever there. And it's just spammed out there as well as, you know, like you said, DDoS attacks. So you can't do that on Ethereum because of the gas fees being a lot higher right now. And it's just honestly cost prohibitive. Right. And and I, nobody wants gas fees to be in the range of, you know, $50 or whatever, whatever they end up being. I mean, they haven't been below $20 in like three months, but there is social science research that points to things like medical copays. So when you, when you have a $0 copay, people will go into the doctor's office for a lot of stuff. When you add sort of a nominal copay, maybe even just a couple of dollars, people go into the doctors less because they start thinking, do I really need to go in and see a doc about this? Or is this something that I just need to take some Tylenol for? And so adding a small cost to something allows people to just think a minute about whether or not it's worth it to send it all. And so I think that's the same, that's the same sort of thing that Ethereum is hoping for is that it will be in that Goldilocks zone where the cost isn't so negligible that, that you can spam the network, but it's not so high that people are like, ah, I don't, I, I'm afraid to go out at night, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just round this up really quick. Um, Ethereum had a huge year and it has not only had big price fluctuations, DeFi took off, NFTs took off. It has created billion unicorn uh, dollar projects from board apes to crypto punks to all kinds of different things. And it, it, this was honestly a monster year for Ethereum. What are you looking forward to in 2022? I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to ETH 2.0. I mean, it's been kind of promised for a while and I think uh, I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, do you everything think we're going to actually get it in 2022. I do. I do. Um, but you know, everything that I've said is, is, is total conjecture. Um, you know, and we'll see what sort of network we, we actually get and we'll see how high demand really is because, you know, as you said, you know, we've got NFTs, we've got DeFi. DeFi was, DeFi was the, the big thing, uh, in the summer of 2020. And then that gave way in the winter of this year to NFTs, We've seen a big resurgence in Dow. So another thing that I'm excited to see about is what trend is coming is coming next. Um, it could be the games are really going to pick up 
pickup speed. You know, we've Axie Infinity is really big. Um, we've seen um, we've seen some uh, blockchain game publishers uh, move towards NFTs, but they're not really looking uh, at Ethereum. Um, you know, I think Ubisoft is is going with Tezos for environmental reasons. So that'll be interesting to see as well with a move to proof of stake if blockchain game publishers start thinking about going to Ethereum. Uh, and then what, what happens then uh, also in terms of uh, the network and, and how usable it is? Do, uh, do fees um, start picking back up? Does, does congestion start becoming a thing? So I'm really excited about that. And then um, lastly, I'm, I'm excited about the in-person events. Uh, we got East Denver coming up in February. That's going to be a big hackathon, uh, a big meet and greet. And since um, you know, the international, the more international DevCon uh, hasn't happened since 2019. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but um, it'll be cool to see people at ETH Denver get together. I moderated a panel in 2019 at F Denver. Uh, I'm trying to get our editor-in-chief, Dan Roberts, to pay for my trip to go and see you guys out there and moderate another panel. Hopefully, I will see you there. If he wants to crack open the Decrypt wallet, I, I know he has the money, Dan. I know you're listening to this. Crack open that wallet, man. But I want to go back to one thing that you said really quick. Sure. And when you were talking about like the trends, there was DeFi, there was NFTs, there's DAOs. Uh, those were kind of all things that started back in 2017 where we started to hear about it. You know, even with CryptoKitties and DeFi platforms were starting to, you know, kind of get started up. And do you think that 2022, we're going to see something new that we didn't think about coming out in, on Ethereum or just in crypto in general that we that's going to blindside us? Yeah, I mean, I would I would I would love that. Um, it's there might be. We went through this whole big phase of blockchain, not Bitcoin um you know with companies a few years back where really kind of like let's put everything let's put everything on a blockchain um where you know let's do supply chain stuff let's do all of uh, all of our logistics let's do insurance um a lot of that is has gone into decentralized finance but i i think there's still there's still a chance that you're going to see a little bit of a resurgence of 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 that. Although, you know, some of it needed to be kind of like tried out, have the tires kicked on it a little bit and we go, eh, that's it's probably not the best use of this platform is. Senior editor, Jeff Benson, thank you for coming on the show. I want to say happy new year to you and your family. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in 2022. All right. Happy new year, Matt. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. We'll be back tomorrow for our last person, editor-in-chief, Dan Roberts, on New Year's Eve, talking his year in review. And until then, happy hodling, everyone.